If uh, you have been around the last few weeks, you know that I'm doing a sermon series on the hard sayings of Jesus. And I told you last week that you needed to come back this week to hear about Jesus' teaching on loving our enemies. Uh, but I, I changed my sermon on Friday. <laughs> because, you know, I kind of go with the Holy Spirit. And uh, my sermon theme today fits better uh, Thanksgiving and the alternative Christmas market and, uh, and Marta Bennett, who will be speaking shortly. Uh, so uh, you have to come back next week <laughs> to learn how to love your enemies. Really, this is not just a technique for me to get you back here, but uh, anyway. So uh, I want to begin by reading from the book of Psalms, from Psalm 116. I'm going to be reading from uh, the, the message, which is the New Testament in a modern version. Uh, this comes from Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson uh, was a great man. He, he passed away very recently, uh, and uh, we're all sorry about that, but he did a real service for the, for the church in many ways. And uh, pastors just love the guy, all his books that he has written. Um, but this is his translation of Psalm uh, 116, and I, I think it, it, it's, it's just more direct uh, this morning for us. The psalmist says, I loved God because he listened to me, listened as I begged for mercy. He listened so intently as I laid out my case before him. Death stared me in the face. Hell was hard on my heels. Up against it, I didn't know which way to turn. Then I called out to God for help. Please, God, I cried out, save my life. God is gracious. It is he who makes things right. Our most compassionate God. God takes the side of the helpless. When I was at the end of my rope, he saved me. I said to myself, relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. Soul, you've been rescued from death. I, you've been rescued from tears, and you, foot, were kept from stumbling. I'm striding in the presence of God, alive in the land of the living. I stayed faithful, though bedeviled, and despite a ton of bad luck. Despite giving up on the human race, saying they're all liars and cheats, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? I'll lift high the cup of salvation, a, a toast to God. I'll pray in the name of God. I'll, I'll complete what I promised God I'd do. I'll do it together with his people. When they arrive at the gates of death, God welcomes those who love him. Oh, God, here I am, your servant, your faithful servant. Set me free for your service. I'm ready to offer the thanksgiving sacrifice and pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promised God I'd do. I'll do it in the company with his people, in the place of worship in God's house, in Jerusalem, God's city. Hallelujah. Amen. Then these words from the New Testament, from uh, the Apostle Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians. Uh, Paul, on his travels, is writing to the Corinthians, and he is citing the example of the Macedonian Christians uh, as uh, uh, a model for generosity. He is taking up a collection for the impoverished church, the mother church in Jerusalem. He's writing the Corinthians to uh, receive their financial help. So he writes, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. 
In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And then from the ninth, I'm sorry, he continues, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And then these words from chapter 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So that psalm that we read, a man who is truly thankful for the fact that God saved him. He was a man who was completely overwhelmed by the goodness and love of God. It seems that he was literally saved from some terrible distress. Perhaps he was at the point of death. He, had, uh, there was some, he was dealing with some horrible illness. Or perhaps he was undergoing some great persecution. But whatever it was, the Lord saved him and he is just overjoyed. He is so happy he can hardly see straight. He can't thank God enough. He says, what can I give back to God for the blessings he has poured out on me? This isn't just a rhetorical question. Such is his joy, such is his thankfulness, that he feels like he has to give something back to God in return. He really thinks it over. What can I give back to God for all that God has done for me? And his first impulse is to head off to church where he can offer God worship and praise. I lift high the cup of salvation, he says, a toast to God. I'll pray in the name of God with all God's people. I really like this guy. He knows that he's been blessed and he heads directly for church to publicly thank God for it. This man is on to something about the importance of worship and what worship is all about. Worship is essentially giving back to God. It's not so much about us, about what we might receive in a worship service. It's not about... Uh, Certainly not about being entertained and, and uh, hearing great music or just about hearing a nice message. Worship is not about recharging our spiritual batteries so that we can face the next week, though it is a byproduct of our worship. 
Worship is giving back to God His due. And one way we give back to God His due is by offering Him our praise and our worship and doing so in the company of God's people. Christians gather on Sunday not so much to meet the Lord after a week spent without Him, but to thank Him for meeting us all through the week and for pouring out His blessings day by day and moment by moment. I think it's really important that we get that about worship. It's what we give to God. It's not what God's going to do for us again. I think we, we tend to get that all wrong. I'm not being spiritually fed. Well, you know, you want to be spiritually fed, but that's not the main point. Worshiping is about giving God His due so that gratitude is the keynote of our worship. And the praise and the thanksgiving we offer surely makes God smile. And if you doubt that, all uh, you can remember, you know, the story of Jesus healing of the ten lepers as told in the Gospel of Luke. And, uh, you know, you know about leprosy, how it not only physically disfigures you, but maybe even the worst punishment is that it, it just totally socially isolates you. I mean, nobody will come near you, Right. And so as Jesus was walking along the way, he encounters 10 lepers, and they cry out in despair, Lord, heal us. And what does the Lord do? But he, he touches them, and he heals them, all 10, and they jump for joy, and off they go to share the good news with their friends and to resume their life. But only one came back, do you remember, to offer his thanks to Jesus for what he has done. And Jesus asks, what about the other nine? But Jesus surely smiled as, he, as this guy who was kneeling before him. Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. God loves it when we give him our thanks and our praise. Not that he needs these things. The Lord doesn't need anything, but surely... The Lord appreciates it when, after caring for us in so many ways, we acknowledge uh, gratefully all that He has done for us. So, as we gather together, we offer our thanks. We offer a toast to God. I like that. <laughs> it's a toast to God uh, in worship, and uh, the way we do that is to, is to uh, um, give back to Him with our lips. Realizing that God has blessed us, the psalmist says, he will, we will give back to God in another way. We, he will complete what he promised the Lord he would do. The NIV has it, I will sacrifice a thank offering and fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. And that would undoubtedly involve an animal sacrifice. It's going to cost him something to say thanks, an animal sacrifice. He says, I'm going to pay all my vows all my tithes and all my offerings. I'll give alms to the poor. So this man is so overwhelmed by his blessings, so amazed by God's love, so aware that God has been good to him beyond all deserving, he can't help but give back to God a tangible expression of his thanksgiving. He would only praise God with his lips, but he will gladly open his pocketbook and give generously to the work of the Lord so that others might be blessed. 
And in our New Testament lesson we read, uh, Paul cites the example of the Macedonian Christians who even though they themselves were a very poor church, they gave out of their spiritual richness. They pleaded with Paul to give uh, even more to the poor mother church in Jerusalem. And he's saying, you Corinthians, you who may be wealthy, uh, hey, look at the Macedonians. Um, give generously. Be aware that God has blessed you, Corinthians, in, in such an incredible way. So uh, they too, the Macedonians, were overwhelmed by God's love and God's grace. And again, they, although they may have been materially poor, nevertheless, they were, they were spiritually rich, and they gave, and they gave, and they gave as a tangible expression of what, what God has done for them. Thanksgiving. So the question is, what can you and I give back to God for all that God has done for us? Because we too are beneficiaries of God's grace in Christ. We too have been blessed in every way. He's freed us from the power of sin and death. He has made possible life full of meaning and purpose and hope. Uh, perhaps uh, we have been through a special time in our lives where uh, maybe we've been in dire circumstances. Maybe we were critically ill. Maybe, you know... And yet somehow the, the Lord brought us through. We may still have our troubles, but we know that God is faithful and will be there for us through thick and thin. Uh, for some of us, it's just a gift to be alive, right? Another day. Oh, thank you, Lord. What a gift. And then we're thankful. We ought to be thankful, thankful for all those little blessings, you know, that we take for granted, the roof over our head and the good food that we eat and the the friends and family that we have who care for us and a church family to belong to. And so we have to ask ourselves, what can I give to give back to God for all these blessings? And this, again, it's not a rhetorical question. Each of us must stop and think about it. A very important way to give back to God is to give generously to God's work so that His love and His grace may abound, so that His kingdom may advance so that others too may experience his blessings. So let me talk a little bit more specifically about this. Uh, and here you can accuse the preacher of meddling, uh, but I would be a very terrible pastor if I didn't meddle once in a while with you. Um, each one of us must prayerfully decide for ourselves how much to give back to God. It's an individual decision. Paul says that much in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, each person should give what he or she has decided in his or her heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's very important that you and I be very intentional about our giving to the Lord's work. You know, we're so intentional about so many other areas of our life. You know, we map out our career and we maybe, you know, we set out some goals for ourselves and and we think carefully about our investments and we follow our personal budgets. But should we also not think very carefully about how to invest in the Lord's cause? So the giving to the Lord's work needs to be prayed over and thought about. And we need to make our, personal, our own personal commitments. So then, how much is appropriate to give? There is no hard and fast rule. We're to give as the Lord has prospered us. The traditional biblical guideline has been the tithe, 10% of income. In the Old Testament, it was 10% of the harvest. 
And uh, actually, you know, when we think about that in our own terms, we think about 10% of all our money. That seems like a lot of money. But at the same time, you know, uh, we hardly think about giving a tip to a waiter at a restaurant, you know, 15 to 20%. We hardly even think about it. And yet the thought of giving 10% to the Lord for His work, uh, it just seems overwhelming to us. Uh, how, how nice of God that God allows us to keep 90% of what is essentially God's income, right? It all belongs to God. But whether you are currently a tither or not, it's important that you and I be percentage givers, percentage givers. Each of us needs to sit down, think about our own finances, our resources, our blessings, our responsibilities, and very carefully and prayerfully figure on a percentage to give to the Lord's work. And we can start, you know, somewhere in response to what God has done. And then as the Lord prospered us, has prospered us, then we can, incur- we can increase that percentage, whatever it is. The important thing is that we start somewhere and that we give it some good thought and be specific. This is, these are important investments we're making. So someone uh, observed of a speaker, he electrified and he edified, but he never specified. Uh, well, you know, we all need to be, I think it would behoove us to give a specific pledge to the Lord's work. We, we covenant with God to give to the kingdom a set percentage of all that God has given us, and then it comes first uh, from, uh, from our hands, right? It's the first thing we do. We set it aside. In fact, the Apostle Paul instructed his people, upon the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside, store it up as he may prosper. So our offering is, uh, is part of our self-offering to God. It's a sign that we understand that all that we are, all that we have, really comes from God. It's an important part of our Christian discipleship. And if I talk about money, it's only because the Lord talked about money more than any other subject except the kingdom of God. But it needs to be intentional and systematic for us. It ought to be a spiritual discipline. In this way, it's tangible, right? Tangible expression of our thanksgiving to God. Uh, we give back to God in this way. It's also helpful to remember that, uh, that the Lord's work at MPC is all about people. Your giving enables us to retain the awesome staff that we have. We have an awesome church staff. Your giving enables us to offer a dynamic worship and music ministry. Your giving enables us to reach out to kids in our community. It's so exciting to hear Jim Barron talk about his work with the kids and how at the last summer camp, nine of them were baptized. How special is that? We have a wonderful ministry. So many of them, most of them actually are in church. Their families don't come to church. But they're hearing about Jesus for the first time. Your giving enables us to share God's love and impactful ministry and mission in other places, not only locally, but globally. And we have this wonderful alternative Christmas market where, you know, you can uh, take a look at those things and and know that when you give to these causes, they're going to people. And, uh, And it's the Lord who transforms lives. Your giving enables us to... uh, for us to have someone like Marta Bennett on the mission field in, uh, in Kenya, or uh, Charles Smith, who is going to Uganda 
to start a, a Kairos ministry. It's all about giving to people. It's not just putting money in a basket, uh, not only about keeping on the lights, which is a very important thing to do, actually, um, but we give beyond that so that we support these people in places where we cannot go, but they go as our representatives. So the psalmist gives back to God by offering his worship and praise, by giving generously to the Lord's work. But there is one other thing, the most important thing. He offers God his very self. Oh God, here I am, your servant, your faithful servant. Set me free for your service. The best way to give back to God is to give him yourself, saying, Here I am, Lord. Use me. I'm yours. I want to serve you. And so we give back to God when we use the gifts and talents that God has given us to serve others. We give back to God when we give to those around us our, our time and our loving attention. We give back to God when we care for the people, especially for the people for whom God has special regard, the poor, the hungry, the downtrodden, the marginalized, the forgotten. God has saved us in order that we might be free to serve him by serving others, when we are to love others as he has loved us. The psalmist says, what can I give back to God for pouring out his blessings upon me? Oh God, here I am, your servant. Set me free for your service. I think of the words of one of my favorite hymns, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.